0: Hi, this is Tom Brevoort, and you are listening to the Captain America Comic Fans Podcast.
1: Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 103 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there that Would be Mr. Bob Lucius. Hey, Bob. Rosebud.
0: Nice. Nice.
1: Yeah, what's that, too? That
0: was the fat guy. Uh, What was his name? Uh, Movie, uh, Citizen Kane.
1: Yes. Orson Welles. Yes. 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 Very well done. Yeah, Yeah. Citizen Kane. Uh, That was the number one movie of what year, Bob?
0: Uh, 1941.
1: Yes, good guess. <laughs> you know, it only took 104 episodes to catch on.
0: That Adderall I'm taking is really paying off.
1: It really is. Good job, <laughs> nicely done. Yeah, yeah. So why, why, why did I mention 1941? Well, because today we are covering Mythos Captain America, which is a uh, a special one-shot story that is written by paul jenkins and uh illustrated by paulo rivera and it is basically an origin story of captain america which as all captain america fans know takes place in 1941 so yeah i was trying to come up with a a, a unique reading for you today bob uh top three movies of 1941 all right so we had citizen kane uh which you Pointed out stars, uh, Orson Welles. Then number two, any guess? Uh,
0: 1942, uh, 41. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know, Rick. Um, I'm, I'm not up on my movies from that yeah, era. I,
1: I don't, I wouldn't catch it. Melt the Maltese Falcon.
0: Oh, classic,
1: right? Yeah, right? Because Humphrey we got Bogart. yes, exactly. Humphrey Bogart, and then uh, number three, animated Fantasia. Dump- dumbo oh all right I took a i'm not going to get into the rest because i've never heard of them
0: yeah <laughs> uh, i'm sure they were great
1: yeah uh, I'm, sure I'm sure they were the uh but th- but those top three i mean they they stand the test of time right Sizzle yeah. cane maltese falcon dumbo uh uh guess what bob what i never seen any of them what really? I know. What? I was a uh, communication major in a, uh-huh. a college, and so some of the courses I took, I took some film courses, I took some philosophy and film courses, uh-huh. and I saw some classic movies. Never saw them. Never got around to seeing huh. them. Uh, I know these are classics. I I I have no excuse, uh-huh. and I, I I'm sure I lost some points with some of our listeners because they're like, wow, wow,
0: uh-huh. yeah. Surely you've seen dead men don't wear plaid.
1: I have. I like Steve Martin <laughs> and don't call me Shirley.
0: <laughs> well, that has a bit of the Maltese Falcon uh, storyline, I think. Woven a lot of uh, it borrows from a lot of a lot of those you know those Humphrey Bogart films and those uh-huh. noir films of that era. So great film. Yes.
1: Yeah. Dead men wear plaid. Yeah.
0: Dead men don't wear plaid. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Last night was uh, was the uh the emmys uh when we were recording this right so mm-hmm. um uh my wife was watching a little bit of that and there was um they had mark short and steve martin up there on stage god they they look they look so close to what they've looked like for the last 40 yeah. years
0: yeah they do yeah you know
1: what i mean yeah. uh it's amazing because yeah, i i, I don't know too. how old steve martin is but martin short is like 71 yeah um still hilarious as ever
0: both of them when they especially when they get together I mean I love I love uh you know only murders in the building great show haven't seen I, it oh my god it's it's my what uh, Casey and I watched it my wife Casey and I we watched that first season we haven't watched the second season yet we're really mm-hmm. looking forward to being able to sit down the two of us and, and binge watch it but that first season just amazing and then you know while it was of course uh while it was uh available I think it's on Hulu Uh, We watched a number of interviews with uh, Martin Short and Steve Mm -hmm. Martin and just those guys, you put those guys in a room and uh, in an interview and it's, uh, it's nonstop entertainment.
1: Yeah, I I bet. I would love to listen to those or watch those. I, I've certainly seen like some like specials where the two of them get up on stage and they, Mm -hmm. you know, and and sometimes they're together. Sometimes they're doing like one man shows and then they come back and forth. Um, Yeah, they're great together absolutely i'll check I'll, I'll check that one of see days. i don't watch a lot of tv yeah yeah worth checking out um all right so we're talking about uh mythos yeah so i mentioned the writer uh paul jenkins uh he's a uh, a british fellow mm. he um he's a super nice guy i actually back when i had my my store my comic book store uh he was a guest um say. in my store uh yeah he cuz he lived in the atlanta area i don't know if he still does Um, But, and, and, you know, he, at that time when he was a a guest in my store to do the signing, he was at top of his game. You know, Mm -hmm. he was like on wizards, top 10 writers or whatever, you know? Um, So it was, it was great having him. And he's a, he's a gentleman, of course. um, Really, really nice guy. Um, If you're not familiar with, with Paul Jenkins work. um, So uh, back in. Oh gosh, you know he he did he did Spider Man for a long time. Um, he did Peter Parker Spider Man like Volume Two. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on that for I want to say three years. Um, in like starting from like 2000 to 2003, and then um, he did this um, uh, Century miniseries. I don't know if you ever read that, Bob, but this was um a brilliant story that he did that was about a character that he, you know, has the power of like a Superman go, so to speak, mm-hmm. but he, he has a um almost like a psychosis, like a split personality type of thing. Um, so, you know, imagine Superman with some, you know uh, issues, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, mentally. And so he, but here's the, here was the brilliant part of the story. That he uh he actually was one of the earliest superheroes. He worked with Fantastic Four, the early Avengers, but something was done to make him for because, because he came too powerful, I think, mm-hmm. they made him forget about himself and like revert to his human personality uh because that was the only way to control him. Huh. And then to do that, they also made everybody forget about him. So so Paul Jenkins is writing this story about this character uh-huh. that basically is a retcon and saying, oh, yeah, he he's been around for decades. But, you know, in, in Marvel yeah. and, and here some stories and he wrote some stories. That sounds a, that sounds brilliant. It is. It, like I said, paul's a, Paul's a oh guy. That'd, make, uh, that'd be a great Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, and he ended up becoming, uh, you know, they actually end up after this miniseries came out, they actually end up putting him into the mighty Avengers uh, when they launched that series in. Um, so that was really cool. He did, you know, he did Witchblade, um, darkness uh, for, for image slash top cow. Um, and then he was on spectacular Spider-Man for a couple of years. And then he did Wolverine, the um, origin.
0: Oh, yes. Uh,
1: Mini series. I think, yeah. he, gosh, that was early two thousands. And then he did the Wolverine, the end story so i mm-hmm. had him in the store right around that time ah. um then he went on to do these series of one shots called mythos and there was a total of six of them
0: yes. and the
1: first one was uh the x-men which came out in early 2006 uh then he did hulk then ghost uh, ghost rider spider-man uh, fantastic four and then the final one mm-hmm. was captain america in 2008 and these are all one shot uh retelling of the origin maybe slightly changing a few things embellishing mm-hmm. um fleshing out the story his partner in all these mythos stories was paulo rivera and i gotta say um the thing about paulo and a lot of people might might know that name um from he he's done nearly 200 covers right yeah, so yeah. he he's he's done a lot of covers uh but then he, he also did interior work he had a nice run on amazing spider-man uh, a nice run on daredevil but um for these mythos he uh he painted them and it is they're absolutely stunning so when we go through captain america mythos today we're really doing the listeners a disservice by talking through it um highly highly recommend if you're a captain america fan pick this up you know um and if you can't go on to marvel unlimited and read it that way um there's also a collection out there of all the mythos together you can get it that way but that artwork is so stunning, Bob.
0: Yeah, in fact, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the, uh, um, the the hardcover, uh, the collection, because that was one of the first uh, first books I bought for my son, um, because I wanted him to to get into comics, and uh, there are such great retellings of the origin stories, but the art is just so um, stunning that I thought that would be something that would be really eye catching for you know a young kid and uh and they're condensed origin stories so that you don't have to read anything before or after you you just kind of get the sense of where these different superheroes came from and um and so i picked that up uh specifically um to introduce my kid to to comics
1: yeah that was smart on your end um you know nothing like origin stories to kind of to to get people kind of sucked in so Uh um, yeah and 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 let me tell you the he's a painter Um, in these in these right so he pencils them and then he paints them and um, i've done you know some research on some of the work because he did he did see this series of blogs when he was doing these mythos and he was showing all the work that he put into these things you know as far as staging Um, you know at some point i'll I'll get into this but he showed all the photos that he took of the hands You know, like in this direction, that direction, up, down, bent, uh, you know, pointing, doing this just so that he could have a realistic look. Now, is it going to be realistic, like, say, in Alex Ross? No. Um, But is it? it, it, Because it's stylistic almost. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think he was the perfect person to pick for the series because his his artwork feels like from that that time period, like that 60s. It does, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the coloring, you know, the muted Mm -hmm. colors. And uh, it's just, and and the amount of detail. Like, you know, you'll you'll see all this detail in the background. He's just, he's amazing.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, one of my favorites. In this issue, this Mythos Captain America is one of my favorite Captain America comic books. And you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, some maybe some some things in the origin retelling that are, are a little bit askew from what most people expect. But uh to me, this is, you know, one of my favorites, if not my favorite origin retelling, simply because it's so masterfully illustrated.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It really is. And Bob, I, I can I spill the beans? Do it. Next episode, we're going to have Paulo Rivera on the show. Yeah!
0: <laughs> you know how excited I am about that, Rick. I mean, I, I love this guy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when you said, hey, let's get him on the show, I was like, oh, my gosh. All right. That sounds awesome if you can get him, right? Um,
1: yeah yeah, and so here he's we just, are. he's gonna be on the show. yeah, we're very excited. So we'll keep that in mind as we're going through this, maybe to come up with some questions that we want to ask him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you and I are owners of four pages of this twenty two well twenty three if you include the title page book. Um, we both recently in the last few months, uh, picked up, you know, some pages right. from this book because yeah. they're they're really beautiful. And they're meaningful to us. Right. And we could talk about that too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right, Bob. So let's set the stage for uh, what was going on uh, during this time. Mm -hmm. Because this this book came out, it had a cover date of August 2008, which means it actually, it hit the stands in June of 2008. Um, I still had my comic book store, uh, which seems like a lifetime ago. Um, And also, you know what was... uh, happening in the movie theaters at that time um was you want to take a guess? I
0: have no idea.
1: The very first Iron Man movie.
0: Oh, right, right. Yeah,
1: so that came out, you know, free comic book day, I think it was May 2nd of 2008. And so this book came out roughly 6-7 weeks later. So obviously Iron man's still doing great. Um so MCU is just kicking off at mm-hmm. that point. That if that kind of helps set the stage as well. Um over in Captain America uh Steve's dead.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Right? Ed brubaker's yeah. series volume 5 yeah uh, has been out for a little while now and uh Steve Rogers has uh, been assassinated and now you know we have Bucky as as Cap. So um that's what's going on in the comics, that's what's going on in the movies. That's what's going on in my comic shop at that time.
0: Mm, wow.
1: What were yeah. you doing in, uh, back then in oh, June two- of 2008? June of
0: 2008. The heck, Where the heck was I? I was in, uh, I was in Vietnam, Rick. I was living in Hanoi, working in Hanoi at the U S embassy. Yeah. Doing, doing embassy things, but just getting ready to come home. I came home in August of that year and returned back to the States. Uh, for a new assignment, but yeah, June two thousand eight, so uh, I didn't see this thing on the on the racks. I gotcha, yeah, so it wasn't this is about- it wasn't
1: reading material on the plane back to the <laughs> states.
0: <laughs> it sure wasn't it sure I wish it I wish it had been, um but no, no, gosh no
1: uh, so the rest of the creative team on here um we have uh the letterer is Joe Karamanga. uh we've heard that name many times, mm-hmm. uh and the editor is. Uh, Steve Wacker uh, Tom Brevort. and this was the uh, solicitation he may be dead but now you can find out how the man became the legend mythos revisits Steve Rogers transformation from a weakling with a heart of steel to the sentinel of liberty from the mind of Paul Jenkins and the stunning art of Paulo Rivera comes the origin of Captain America it had a cover price of $399, which was um yeah. you know a little high, uh, but yeah. it was like a prestige format book, right? Yeah. It had like a little square bound to it, I I seem to recall.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I it was definitely a heavier cardstock cover, I think.
1: Yeah. And on the cover, um, you know, it had the the mythos logo um across the top, kind of like a slant. Um, And then underneath in small lettering, it says Captain America. And of course, a big old number one, because all the publishers know, if you throw a number one on there, it's bound to sell a little bit better. Um, And on the cover, uh, you know, and and by the way, the logo also is kind of done in a red, white and blue theme. Um, We have Captain America, but in his original uniform from 1941. So he has, you know, that, that space around his his neck that's open bare skin so the mask is just kind of a half mask and uh and then he's got his his heater shield right he's got his triangular original shield which has the uh, you know the three white stars at the top and then the, the stripes that go up and down vertically um and he's coming at you bob he's coming mm-hmm. at you at you with his uh shield up and his right hand cocked
0: yeah and of course, we see in reflected in the shield, who do we see, Rick? But but Adolf himself.
1: A, a scared Adolf mm-hmm. Hitler. Yeah. If if of that, yeah.
0: I think you know this is a, a difference of perspective, right? From Captain America Comics number one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The the perspective has shifted. You know, in, in Captain America Comics number one on the cover, we see we see the side shot of cap going in to punch Hitler, but here we see Hitler's perspective of that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very well put. Yeah. I I think that was very subtle, but um, yeah. Yeah. But thanks for pointing that out, Bob. All right. So we get to the the title page on the inside and um, it has kind of a description at the top. um, But on the side is a bunch of, panels from captain america comics from that time period 1941 Mm -hmm. maybe 1942 um but definitely the origin story right so um they have that all listed there and then it reads 1941 the world at war and in a full security laboratory frail steve rogers became captain america the american super soldier For four thrilling years, he struck back at the Axis treacherous attack until a freak stroke of fate threw him into suspended animation to awaken in the present day, a man out of his time. Since that day, Captain America has sought his destiny in this brave new world.
0: Nicely done.
1: And it has a uh, a Captain America logo, which is very reminiscent of the original logo from 1941. And then there's a, a nice little painting of uh, some some headshots by Palo, and you've got a Steve Rogers, uh, but he's a transformed Steve Rogers, uh, you know, not the weakling, but he's in his private uniform, U.S. Army uniform. Uh, you have Captain America in his uniform, Bucky again, two versions, one in his, um, you know, Bucky uniform, one in his uh, mascot, Army mascot uniform. And then in the background, you've got, uh, a, uh, a red skull and you've got a Hitler and you you've got a, a, a syringe with a right. little serum.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a really neat, uh, uh, it's small. It's relatively small, you know, compared to the mm-hmm. size of the page, but that right there in and it itself is just an amazing piece of work.
1: Yeah. I've seen it for sale. I want to say, um, and I, I think it was up for auction maybe about a year ago, and I, I didn't bid on it because um, I wasn't really sure where it was from. I, ah, I, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, so I regret that now. Yeah, I have regret. I have regrets. <laughs> uh, and it says based on Captain America Comics Number One, March 1941, by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, and then of course credits ha- them for creating Captain America. And Bob. I, uh, and listeners, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to do my best. It is a very solemn story. There are parts I might get choked up. Just going to warn you now. I'm going to try to get out of my system. And I'm going to, I'm going to do my best.
0: All right, here we go. Folks, if you're listening to this, make sure you're around somebody that can offer a hug. <laughs>
1: All right. So this opening page is split up into like four quarters vertically, um, you know, four stacked images stacked on top of each other. And they're all basically kind of from the same perspective, um, but different time periods. Right. Um, So I think this, this top one is, is modern time. There's a, a, a tall blonde gentleman standing there with a a raincoat on and a and a hat. Um safe to say it's probably Steve Rogers.
0: I, I think that's a fair bet.
1: And he's uh on a and it looks like he's in a, you know downtown New York uh area. Um there's a bustling street, uh people going by, you know, there's cars, taxi, people with umbrellas. Um he's underneath and and over uh, overhang and um, looking at the the vfw and for bob uh, for those who don't know what does vfw stand for and what is it
0: um well it's it's uh it's the veterans of foreign wars so it's it's one of a handful of um veterans organizations so there's vfw disabled vets of america um the American Legion. And so there are there are support organizations. They advocate for vets and, uh, and they, they all have different requirements for for joining. But the VFW is Veterans of Foreign Wars. So you you must have served in uh, in a foreign war to be a member. So more than just simply being a vet.
1: Gotcha. And, and what do they do for the veterans there?
0: Well, you know, a lot of times it's uh, it's just camaraderie. So the posts, so they have uh, posts like um, VFW posts, you'll find them in almost every city. It's uh, they generally there's a bar. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's a place for folks to go and hang out with uh, with their fellows from different wars um, and just find camaraderie. Uh, but they also provide, you know, sometimes they provide scholarships for kids. They help provide um, medical, um, grants for, for folks who need, um, medical care, um, those sorts of things. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like an all around service organization of, of vets looking out for vets and their families.
1: Very nice. And I, and I, and I, I bring that up because I think it's important to the story.
0: Yeah, it sure is. Right. Yeah.
1: So on the next panel, it is from the same perspective, but it looks like um, like we're going back in time, maybe it's the seventies, based on the hairstyles, the clothing, and the cars driving by, and you could see some changes uh, to to some of the exteriors. Um, then it, the next panel it goes to looks like maybe the fifties, right, with the styles uh, that we were talking about before, and then the last panel is uh, looks like nineteen forty one and during this time there is a like a little movie theater there right so it was there um three of the four panels i think uh you know sometimes movie theaters kind of go out of business um and then the last one has a movie arrow flynn the seahawk and before there was a place there for um VFW, there was a place where you could go and uh register to be uh, in the Army. And so the very last one, as I said, was 1941. And we see a a a young, you know, teenage uh Steve Rogers standing there, very skinny, scrawny, right? And he's uh he's got uh you know a white dress shirt on with the sleeves rolled up and some dress slacks, and he's got his his hands on his back uh lower back like both of them so his his, his elbows are cocked out and he he's kind of standing there like thinking right yeah it's and, that
0: classic thinking pose right yeah <laughs> well you know you're going to be there for a while and you've given your your braced your back with support you know, right. while you're pondering
1: a long time ago though it seems like only yesterday i was young and stupid my father Joseph Rogers served in the 1st Battalion, 26th Infantry during the Great War. He took a bullet during the push for the Suezians, one of the original blue spaders. I wanted nothing more than to enlist in his regiment. So we cut to the next page, and we see the front of that Steve Rogers, who has got his arms cocked behind, and he's staring at the, the Army recruitment. And then we cut to, and this is all him deliberating, right? And, mm-hmm. and this is Steve remembering himself deliberating in the same spot all these years, decades later. And we cut to memories of his mom and his dad. I don't remember much about him. He laughed a lot, I seem to recall, and he smelled of applesauce. He died of influenza in 1926. At the age of 33. And, and so if he died in 1926, then, you know, Steve must have been just, you know, a, a young child.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: A few years later, the depression hit. I remember one day our landlord put all of our possessions onto the street. Some members of the local communist party chapter came by and helped me help my mother bring all of our furniture back inside. In those days, landlords didn't have the resources to evict people twice. It made me realize something. That compassion can come from anywhere and anyone, even from communists. And there is, there's a young Steve sitting on the steps as, as these, these guys are, are carrying beds and, and, uh, chests and furniture back into the apartment as his his mother standing there watching and beautifully illustrated the detail Mm -hmm. and then we we and i love how the panel moves right there's a there's a flow here right he's he's showing the same outdoor portion of the apartment from the street and the steps but time moves on; different things happen in the panels. and Yet, it's the, the whole thing stays still. It's a yeah. it's a it's a beautifully uh, well executed way to illustrate the passage of time in the same area. Mm-hmm.
0: That well well said. That's ex- you described it exactly uh, as I'm seeing it here in front of me.
1: And so then we have a young Steve cowering. Uh, up against the wall on his sitting down on the ground using a book to shield his face. And then there's this bully uh, over top of him with a slingshot and he's, he's like two feet away from him. That, that's gotta hurt. Right. Right. And he's got, how would you describe that kid's face?
0: He's definitely got a very aggressive face and uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. But, but he's, he also, he looks to be enjoying kind, himself. Kind of a like a dummy, right? He, doesn't he look like a like a dumb
0: bully, a thick, a thick head dumb bully yeah. head? Yeah, right. right. That's what my son would call him—a yeah. bad guy bully head. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he uh, and Steve goes on to say, but very rarely from Dougie Huggins, who lived in the basement apartment two doors down. He blacked my eye every day and twice on Fridays. I was always too small and skinny to fight back.
0: You know, Rick, this, I, this, is, this is an example, I think, of the level of detail. I mean, I don't know if you're seeing it, but I'm seeing. But um, if you look at Steve's book that he's using to uh, shield his face, it looks like Dougie has taken several shots at that yes. book already with the, sling, with the slingshot.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of indentations on the, on the hardcover yeah. book. I got sick a lot and it often seemed like there was no running away from that place, except in the pages of a fantasy novel. And then the next panel, we see the inside and there's his mom, very tall, slender, blonde woman with her hair pulled back wearing an apron and a dress. And she's over uh, in a sink. looks like maybe washing clothes you know, hand-washing clothes, while while Steve is sitting at the, the very modest dining room table uh, drawing, a young Steve. Mama had no such escape. She worked two jobs just to make ends meet. We'd sit indoors as she scrubbed, listening to the radio. I'd draw pictures for her just to make her smile. But she never did smile. She just... Faded away, and that's the last panel on this page where she's laying in bed, and uh, we don't see her we just we just see the covers and, and her two hands. but we do see what's the focus of this this panel is Steve as he's sitting on the other side, and we see his, bo- his you see the upper half of his body he's sitting in a chair, and he's holding a book, a, a sketchbook. And he's got a pencil in his right hand as he's drawing for his mom. When you get better, I'm going to take you out of the country, mama. You'd like that. I drew this for you. Eat your stew, Stevie. It's good food. I don't want it, mama. You be strong now eat your food. I don't like it. It has carrots in it. Carrots are good for the memory. I want you to pay attention and learn. You keep studying and drawing like you do, and you'll be someone. Why would I want to remember this? I'd just as soon forget. Oh, Stevie, and she grabs his hand. I want you to remember, always be proud of who you are and where you came from. Never forget the people who helped you get to where you're going. Never forget. That was the last thing she said to me before she died. And what an absolutely beautiful panel.
0: Yeah, stunning.
1: So that chair that he was sitting in, he's now sprawled, leaning with his head on his mom's hands, the one that she grasped his hand. i just beautifully done. He dropped the book. He dropped the pencil when he realized his mom had passed. The next page, we cut to an older Steve he's a you know late teens at this point and he's working and he's uh working uh moving some canisters around he's got an apron on I was alone wishing for all the world that I could be any place else but if wishes were nickels in those days we'd all have been millionaires after she was gone I worked a delivery truck for a while. Here I was, a 95-pound teenager unloading trucks full of tomato paste that weighed more than I did. And then the next panel, we start to see news reels. And they're they're done in black and white. So you could tell that, you know, this is something that Steve's seeing in the movie theater. And it's horrible images of German troops invading various countries in Europe. Despite the hardship, I felt I had no reason to complain. There were others worse off than I. Across the sea in Europe, a storm gathered. Nazi Germany invaded Poland. Britain and France then declared war on them. And we see a a very concerned, and even maybe even scared, Steve, watching the reels. And then we see an image of Hitler looking down on his thousands of troops that are all standing at attention. We watched in horror as Hitler's war machine ground countries into dust. The nightmare of his Third Reich became a reality. An entire nation fell into madness. Italy followed suit. Imperial Japan Began to stir. We knew war would eventually come to us if we didn't get to it. Dougie Huggins and I went together to enlist, me to join my father's regiment, he because he was bored. It's hard to believe that uh, he's actually friends with his with his bully.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, well, you know they're older now in this panel, right? So yeah. you know, there's several years on. So. You know, uh, friends, maybe not friends, right? But certainly neighbors and acquaintances. And, uh, you know, like many acquaintances, sometimes you're more friendly than at other times. Um, Sometimes you work together. Sometimes maybe you work at odds. And I think maybe that's the relationship at this point.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. So now we cut to this next panel and we're back to seeing Steve standing there with his hands cocked behind him. Um, staring at the the army registration office and i want to ask paulo about this because i i think if i had to guess paulo picked steve standing in such a distinct way so that way we could bring we would know that that was the moment that current steve was thinking about when he was standing in that place, looking at that younger Steve and that decision. And now after telling a little bit of what brought them to that period of time, mm-hmm. we're now back to that period of time. And you can tell because Steve's standing in a very distinctive way.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, number one, I think you, 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 you have identified something that Certainly, I, I don't think I've ever really honed in on that before noticed that before, but I think that's absolutely right. We're back at that moment uh, when he's across the street from, from where the Army recruiting station is, and we see it from a different perspective now. But I also uh, want to point out this, that way of standing, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, in a lot of old newsreels, you see people standing like that, um, You don't normally see people standing like that. That's not a gesture that you see anymore, but it was more common if you look at a lot of the black and white newsreels um, folks stood like that when they were Hmm. uh, hanging out.
1: Maybe they all had bad lower backs.
0: Maybe. I don't, I don't know what it was, but, uh, you know, I, body gestures, body positions, they changed and different, different errors. And, but uh, that just occurred to me that I've seen in, in black and white films and black and white newsreels, uh, men standing like that.
1: Remember this moment, my mother would have said, never forget the events that shape you. She, she would have been wrong. I was classified 4F and rejected for military service. So we cut to the next page and we see a very, very scrawny Steve getting that rejection. And then behind him is uh Dougie Huggins with that stupid looking face. Like I, I like I don't think Paolo could have picked a better face for this obnoxious bully. Right is yeah. Neanderthal, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, fathead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I don't like bullies, Bob. You know that about me? Actually, uh, yeah, I, I know. I, I don't sorry like bullies. It. And so Steve's pleading with uh with the guy. He says, "But you got to let me in. I can hold my own. I swear, I'm pretty strong for my size." I'm sorry, son. You're too frail for military service. There must be some way I can prove myself. I, I could take a test, and this is at a different place, right? And a, a different person is telling him, Son, you have fallen arches and asthma. Applicants must be over 100 pounds to enlist. No exceptions. I feel bad for you, but you got to go home. And this next panel, wow, what a stunning panel. There's, There's so many, there's things going on here so here in the back alley we see steve rogers a dejected a demoralized steve rogers and he's he's sitting on a um i don't know like a little step you know outside of a door and a cement step in in this alley and he's he's leaning over he's hunched over he's got his his arms on his knees and his head, you know, just resting on his wrist. And he's looking down. It could very well have been crying. He, he's, But he's obviously demoralized. And then the other thing going on in this panel is we see a officer, uh, a military officer, uh, older, who is walking in the alley toward him. But no words, no panel, nothing needs to be said in that panel. The, the illustration does it all. And then Steve looks up at the, and he sees, you know, the shoes, right? He's staring at the shoes of, of, of this military officer who comes, stands next to him. I saw what happened in there. Must have been a tough pill to swallow, son. I'm sorry. And then I love this, Bob, as he goes to sit next to him, Paolo draws that you can see the generals older, right? He's not yeah. as nimble, right. right? Because he's, he's got his one hand down on the step and then he's helping. He's slowly letting himself down. He's got the other resting on his knee. He's got his, looks like maybe a bum leg. That's straight, yeah. you yeah. know? Uh, as he's sitting down next to him. Absolutely love yeah. that.
0: Yeah, you can read the body language right in, in Paulo's painting.
1: Yeah. The 26th was my father's regiment, sir. Come this time next year, we're going to be at war with the Nazis. I just wanted to enlist. Do some good. I know you did. That's why it's a shame. America will need more like you in the coming months and years. I love my country, sir, and I'd just as soon not see German as our first language. But if a guy like me can't make it as a blue spader, what good am I to anyone? And then we see the, the general kind of look up and he has kind of, you know, with his, he's still got his, his hat on and covering the kind of like the bridge of his, his eyes. And he gives him a little look. And he says, "What if I could arrange something?" Now that's page five of this this story, right? Mm -hmm. This this I own page five. Mm -hmm. I love this page. I was just uh, I got this from uh, a fellow collector, and um, I got pages five, seven, and eight. So I own three of the next you know these next four pages that we're covering, um, and absolutely uh, love them.
0: And and actually, Rick, this is the first time I've noticed that on the general's lapels are miniature uh, heater shields.
1: Yeah, you know, I didn't notice that. That's a good. That's a good pickup by you.
0: Yeah, Um, and I'm trying to. I'm trying. This is an army uniform from World War II. I can't quite remember um, what normally goes there if there were if they're the round uh, army uh you know brass uh Mm -hmm. army uh you know eagles uh the army logo or if that is uh, the unit insignia that goes there i i can't recall um but i've never noticed that before but they are miniature of cap's original heater shield
1: that's a good pickup are you so next page and we see steve who's wearing a, a suit Um, And he's looking out the window of an airplane as they're, they're flying. The general's name was Phillips, and he arranged something. I joined the Army, enlisting in the 1st Battalion, 26th Infantry at the rank of Private. I was promoted to the rank of Captain while in midair. No one explained to me why. Seven hours after I joined up, we landed in Washington. I was told I had volunteered for a secret mission, a matter of national security that could not be discussed until we arrived at our destination. I love, I love that. I was told I had volunteered. Yeah. (laughs) How often did that happen to you, Bob? Every
0: time, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. volunteered. Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Lucius, you're volunteering to do this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Well, it takes the, it makes the decision making easier.
1: Mm. Oh, that's right. I, I forget you were private luscious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very briefly,
1: uh, <laughs> I was asked among a thousand other things if I had taken the time to prepare a will. I had a few thousand questions of my own, and they are uh the car is parked in front of a, a shop what's on the window bob
0: it says antiques and curios yeah
1: and after someone knocks there's a a little old lady you know uh she's got uh she's got the the shades you know the little vertical or sorry horizontal shades right and she's pushing them down and she's peering through Who is it at this time of night? We're closed. We have an interested customer with us. We are told you have a potion for sale. And then she opens up the door, but she no longer has that old lady mask on. It's actually a very attractive woman. Indeed. Come inside quickly. Where are we going? Please stay silent and hurry. We can't stay in the storefront for too long. And then the next panel, uh, oh, it's a beautiful panel. It's a it's a it's a big panel of the whole um you know, laboratory, if you will. And if you saw uh Captain America first Avenger, the movie that came out a couple of years later it really looks like they based it on this.
0: It does. I I was just noting and noticing that myself. So many features are reminiscent of, uh, of, of the design work for uh, the first Avenger.
1: Yeah. You know, we'll have to ask Paolo about that. Right. Is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, was, was, I mean, the movie came out in 2010. This came out in 2008. I'm sure they were filming the movie back in 2008. Like, what came first you know was Mm -hmm. was there a little bit of this design was like did he you know was there any type of uh knowledge on his part or did he go out to lunch
0: with Was it ryan mendering is is that the guy who did the uh the art art um concept the concept art
1: (laughs) i don't know i i'm impressed that you know that name
0: yeah. Well, I mean he's he's I mean he's well known. He's he's done a lot of illustrations for Cap. He does a lot of the concept art for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um so I you know I wonder if uh if there was any uh cross pollination there.
1: I don't know. Uh but it, what a beautiful panel, right? Um this is I mean you you see Dr. Erskine there, you see a whole bunch of his assistants, uh, you see the chair. <laughs> That, that Steve's going to sit in that has the wooden chair with straps um, and the IVs next to it and the cart. But then you see to the left, you see like, you know, that, that you know, like in the movie, they have the Vita rings, right? right. You know, and there is like the, the the panel, you know, that they were looking at. This is really reminiscent of that. You know, the gaskets, um, you have the observation booth, right? That uh, mm-hmm. all the the big wigs are sitting in to watch this um there's even some like you know some statues and some bus you know like uh some some greek statues it looks like you know maybe they're like here's a here's what the perfect male figure is supposed to look like you know right. and and yeah. you know trying to transform into that um a lot of detail here it's you know even even you go back in in, in on the top right corner You know, there's stairs that lead to an overhang and then in the lights in the, the, uh, the exhaust that comes out. And there's even some, you know, a little bit, you could see like the dust in the, in the, you know, underneath the lights. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's dust in the air to diffuse, diffuse the light.
1: Now Bob, I'm pretty sure this page is still available for sale on Palo's website. Uh, This is, this is a. if somebody wants to get an origin Captain America beautifully painted page, I'm pretty sure this one's still available. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to the next page. Um and we see a very young, frail, skinny teenage Steve Rogers taking off his shirt. So he's he's got a you know, he's bare chested. Um, and he's handing his shirt to an assistant. There is Dr. Erskine. Our, Dr. Erskine is standing on the other side of the chair. He's got his hands uh, on, the, on the back of the chair, and he's, he's kind of smiling, I would say. Um, and then we have uh, the, uh, the general, right, General Phillips standing there, um, and this is the first time we were seeing him without the hat. They called it Operation Rebirth, the brainchild of a brilliant geneticist Named Erskine, I was to be subjected to an experimental drug that would literally replace and redesign my entire cellular landscape. I would be the first of many so-called super soldiers that would first quell enemy agents in the United States and perhaps move on to the European theater of war and assist the Allied forces there. Or that was the plan. How do you feel, son? Nervous, sir, like a pincushion. Bravery and nerves go hand in hand, son. You'll be fine. Just think of what we're about to accomplish. Bend forward, please, Captain Rogers. And they're strapping him into the chair. Meanwhile, Dr. Erskine is just standing there with his arms, you know, hands folded behind his back. And he's addressing... The people who are in the uh, you know watching this, and we we we, we start to catch what he's saying. Where a direct electrical current will pass through the subject's body, stimulating the nerve endings and thereby catalyzing the cellular modifications. The dangers of this experiment cannot be overstated, Captain Rogers. Please state for the record that you entered this program of your own free will and that you have consented to the administration of the serum. And we see Steve who's strapped into the chair, but they, they left a little room on the straps. I like that. I find that interesting, right? Cause he's supposed to grow. Right. So they, yeah. they, they left, they left that uh, some, some space to grow. And he just leans forward with this determined look on his face and a little fear and a little apprehension. I have, sir. Yes. And he injects him in the back of the neck. And you see Steve grimace. There is a saying we are fond of here, Captain. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. And what doesn't make you stronger, well, we're all praying for the former. And then we cut off panel so we don't see the transformation but we cut to a close-up of the syringe and an empty serum bottle. Now, how do you feel? Uh, it's pretty weird, sir. Note the incredible surge of cellular reconstruction, muscle tissue formating at an immeasurable rate. The subject's retinas will also be rebuilt by millions of replacement cells. And so we see... We see his body growing, but we don't see his face. We just see him leaning forward in the chair. We see his chest. We see his arms. And he's grimacing and he's grunting. And then the next panel, we see the transformed Steve Rogers. And he sits up and he's huge. It feels, it feels wonderful, Dr. Erskine. It invigorating. Note changes to the subject's entire subcontinuous environment, liver, kidneys, lymphatic system. His lungs are now at the capacity to absorb over 98% of the oxygen passing across the alveoli. The basic structure of the so-called super soldier begins to emerge. And then uh, right underneath that panel, we see a reflection from the window Of the observation room, Steve Rogers. But we see a were balloon from the 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 window for the Reich, and we see a very, you know, uh, surprised Doctor Erskine getting shot. But then Steve breaks away from his chair, the straps and broken wood still tied to his forearms. And he yells, no. And we cut to the next page. And we see Dr. Phillips. It's a spy after him. And he jumps up there and he grabs the spy and he pulls him from the broken window and he throws him into a piece of equipment, which he then accidentally touches the sparks where their bullets were. And he executes himself. And then we see Dr. Erskine laying in blood. And his assistants around him, sad. And Steve standing there with his shirt off and his shoes off. But he has his pants on and he's talking to the general. In a moment, the experiment was over. It could never be recreated. I was its only measurable result. The serum had worked. That much was obvious from the change I had undertaken. I was put through the most rigorous training imaginable in order to answer the most obvious question. What had I become? And how would you describe what's going on in the background, Bob?
0: He's doing calisthenics. He's doing gymnastics. He's got one of those scenes where he's running on a on a treadmill with uh, with electrodes uh, all over his body and forehead measuring his his uh, his cardio output. It shows him in a white gi with a black belt, uh, you know, practicing, I don't know, judo or karate or something. So it uh, it shows him on the left uh, observing some briefings. In a, in a briefing room so i mean it's it's like a a a, 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 a collage of of the different aspects of his training and preparation for becoming a, a super soldier
1: and then we cut to him in his captain america uniform and he is um in a battle scene as he's being shot at uh by the military and he's jumping over um uh a a creek which almost looks like he's in you know downtown london area
0: yeah it could be that could be amsterdam or yeah, yeah. something for sure belgium
1: an answer began to present itself though not in the way we most expected i was immensely fast immensely strong my newly augmented brain began to soak in knowledge i had learned and implemented military tactics derived from thousands of years of warfare at first glance I was a super soldier, the military so desperately sought, But I had become more than a soldier. I had become a symbol of America's move away from isolationism. And then uh, I know this is one of your favorite panels. Bob, you want to describe what's going on here?
0: Yeah. So he uh, he's clearly at a school uh, assembly. Uh, you know, one of those old-fashioned-looking auditoriums that, that that doubles as a cafeteria. Right, the the stage is wood, and he's standing up there. And uh, you see in the audience, you see. Children all holding their hands over their heart. You see adults and teachers up against the windows, the principal front and center, and Steve in his Captain America Garb, the original Captain America Garb that you described on the cover, is standing on stage with uh several children, perhaps a dozen or so. Uh and he's standing there with his hand over his heart, and they're all um saying the Sentinel of Liberty oath. I solemnly
1: pledge to uphold the principles of the Sentinels of Liberty and assist Captain America in his war against spies in the USA. I have become an icon. And so, with the weight of a nation's altruistic rebirth hanging over my head, they shipped me off to basic training at Camp Lehigh in Virginia. Given that my identity should remain secret at all costs, I was assigned driver's duty for one of the chaplains. I've often wondered what the Padre would have made of it if he had known his bodyguard was none other than Captain America. And they are showing, you know, some scenes from what that's going on. Then then they cut to uh, him in the, it looks like the cafeteria doing his little KP duty. He's doing KP, he's peeling potatoes. But who's that? It's the first time we're seeing it is a young Buchanan Barnes. Yep. Yeah. And he's looking at a, uh, a magazine boy's own. And on the cover is a captain America. Now I wouldn't want to point out captain America uh, had his triangular shield up until that point. Now he's got his circular shield and it is properly done the way it was back in those comics. That's right. Right. There's an, there's an addition, you know, it's, it's basically got, um, four rings instead of three and it goes blue white red white and then you get to that inner blue circle with the white star yeah i just wish they'd let a kid like me join up you're too young bucky help me peel these you think we'll ever meet captain america i'll arrange it if you help me peel these and then we cut to cap doing push-ups and being yelled at by his sergeant worthless useless brainless gutless and then we cut to this next panel this is a really cool panel bob
0: rick i i I gotta share share with you and and perhaps our our uh our facebook uh um uh uh uh, members as well that i have a, a picture from a magazine that looks almost exactly like this uh sequence of panels where I am doing push-ups in the mud with my uh, drill sergeant standing over me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can assure you, he was saying pretty much the, the same dialogue. How, how do you have <laughs> pictures of that? It was, it was in a magazine, the, uh, the, uh, the what the hell was it? Uh, not Leatherneck, not Marine Corps Gazette. It was in uh, Naval Proceedings Magazine. Just happened to be oh. doing a story about boot camp. I mean, OCS, Officer Candidate School, and they had a photographer that was out taking pictures when I was going through OCS. And I, I happened to be the squad leader for the day. And then I was being uh, summarily punished for uh, the failure of my my uh, my Marines at that time. It uh, was immortalized in, in an issue. And what year? Oh, gosh, that was uh, 19, uh, 1988,
1: I think. Oh, okay. That explains. I had let my subscription run out before then. <laughs>
0: you can get back issues they're in the uh, they're in the dollar bins
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right this next panel really cool panel um might be a uh favorite panel vote i'm not sure but it's um captain america in his new uniform so he no longer has that half mask he has a full mask um and like i said he has that red shield with the four rings and the blue outer ring and he it's it's, it's It's looking up at him as he's coming down uh, via parachute in a bloody red sky and then seeing um, explosions going off all around him. While while I acted the part of the home front, I also acted the part with the Americans soon to be allies in Europe. As Captain America, I operated behind enemy lines, taking the fight directly back to the Nazis. At the same time, I had become what I always wanted, a true blue spader, one of the boys of the 26. Part of me yearned for that normalcy of the barracks, the camaraderie. And look who's there, Bob. Can't mistake that face.
0: (laughs) Ha ha, Yeah. Yeah, it's got
1: Dougie. But the truth could never be known. And there's Cap sneaking out at night unless by accident and there he is in his 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 barrack you know and uh, in this in this tent and there's there's bucky coming in on him as he's changing from his captain america uniform steve what in bucky How, how much did you see nothing i i just saw the costume i told you never to come in on me like that what are you doing here i i came to tell you something The Japanese have attacked us at Pearl Harbor. It's all over the news. We're at war. And we cut to a a scene of the Japanese dive bombers firing on the various battleships in Pearl Harbor in black and white. That things are going to change. You're going to have to change, too. You're Captain America all along. It was you. I, I can't believe it. You can never tell a soul, Bucky. Everything that I am depends on it. Understand? What are you going to do to me? It's not what I'm going to do, son. From now on, it's what we're going to do. Sometime in late 1942, the 26th Infantry came ashore in Tunisia, the first ever amphibious military assault conducted by the United States in North Africa. As Captain America, I had previously scouted the coastline under cover of darkness. But I had to keep up appearances. While the boys fought for their lives through the Kasserine Pass, I would drive the Padre around miles behind the front lines. I'd itch for the chance to bust Nazi heads, but I couldn't run the risk of exposing my identity. What a beautiful panel, right, of, of the infantry storming um the beach just so much detail here i wish i i I highly encourage everybody to pick this up and look at it i made up for it every chance i got one of hitler's henchmen was a vile creature named the red skull a grotesque modified human whom bucky and i scrapped with on more than one occasion and what's going on in this scene bob
0: well, it looks like uh, you know one of those. Uh, you know, and a lot of I like. I, you didn't mention it earlier, but that that image of Cap parachuting, where you're looking up, it it looks almost like a cover of uh, of not the uh, not the Captain America series, but the USA Comics, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, good point. A, yeah. a Schomburg cover, right? Mm-hmm. And and this, uh, you see Bucky uh, tied up, yeah, hanging from a, a big ho- a hook uh over a uh well, it looks they're in a obviously they're in an, uh, a steel smelting factory and there is a big um a big uh, uh, what do you, what do you call that a cauldron of of molten iron and he's hanging above that as uh, as cap is uh, slugging it out with the red skull so it's very again very reminiscent of a lot of those original uh bondage covers uh from uh from Captain America comics
1: yeah and and you know, Bucky has a little, uh, little smile on his face too. Just like he, you know, we did back then. He, he doesn't feel like, even though he's in a perilous position, right. He's right. hanging, he's chained, he's smiling.
0: Right. You know, he's yeah. cap
1: here to save the day.
0: He's got confidence.
1: Yeah. And cap's punching out, uh, a, uh, a red skull. And what a great image of the red skull's face, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, It's getting like pummeled and is almost like buck teeth and, uh he, he obviously looks kind of humiliated and defeated. Um which is the best way to look at a red skull.
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: It struck me as ironic that his ghastly appearance was very much in keeping with his status as a hero of the Third Reich. I'd like to think I presented a more civilized image as a hero of democracy and freedom. And there's a there's a poster of Cap in a very much a uh, Uncle Sam pose, pointing, saying, "Your country needs you, enlist now." While I toiled in heroic animinity, the boys of the Twenty-six moved across the Mediterranean into Sicily. Some days I fought alongside them. They were the best of times, and the worst of times. In battle, one learns a certain kind of calm, as an alternative to the fear that dominates every moment. I could never find that elusive calm. It hurt too much to watch my brothers ripped apart by fire from a 10 millimeter cannon or shrapnel. These boys didn't have the benefit of super soldiers here to help them dodge a bullet. As we see in a couple of panels here, Cap, um, you know, fighting alongside the 26 and then standing with a medic over one of his fallen comrades.
0: And again, the detail, right? Because he's got his shield, uh, in this case, on his right arm, uh, and he's holding it above his wounded comrade. But at the same time, in that same hand, he's holding an IV bottle, uh, giving, giving emergency fluids to that downed uh, soldier.
1: Yeah. And then we see him hunched uh, in the middle of the day over a trench and he's looking down into the trench with his elbows on his knees and his shield hung on his back. In France, I saw with my own eyes evidence of Hitler's so-called final solution. Jews and their accused sympathizers lined against a half-mile trench and executed with a single shot to the base of the skull. More than a few were buried alive. In Russia, I fought knee-deep in rivers of icy blood on the frozen eastern front, with communists as my brothers and allies. And In this panel, we see him uh, wearing a, a white coat with a hood over top of himself, leading a, a band of Russian soldiers who were dressed the same way, um, that are in chest high uh, icy waters but he has his shield up protecting them as they're they're going through the woods and then we cut to the next page and it's uh, a really nice half splash of cap and bucky um they uh, on normandy beach uh, w- welcoming the sight of of all the uh the fellow soldiers that are they're coming onto the beach. Bucky and I stood one brisk summer afternoon on a Normandy beach and took in the most glorious sight we ever did see, a flood of troops and equipment moving up like a giant living stream. These were our own boys, come to right grave and justice far from home. I never felt so proud to be an American as I did at that moment. After the 26th went into Aiken, the first German city to be taken of the entire war, I went to visit the troops. I personally awarded three bronze stars for valor. One of them went to private first-class Douglas Higgins of New York City. The war drew to a close. Hitler was on the run. We were going to win. But fate had one last twist in store for Bucky and me. And we cut to the infamous uh, drone plane. Yeah. And uh, Bucky is trying to defuse the bomb. And Steve is is on the wing, yelling at him. And then there's an explosion. There's a big explosion, Bob. Everyone has a number. It comes up only once. Mine came up over the icy waters of the North Atlantic. Bucky! You want a. Beautiful image of the sky and the Arctic Ocean. And then we see Steve floating with his face up. In that frozen water, my heart began to slow. Thanks to my unique body chemistry, I didn't die. Still, I fell into a dream. I dreamt I was a soldier. I dreamt of Sarah, my mother my father, Joe. I imagined them dreaming of me. I dreamt of home. And in those images, we see very different lighting, right? Uh This is uh, where everything else was dark. This is light. Almost as if maybe they're in heaven. And we see his father and his mother next to each other holding up little baby clothes as she's pregnant. We see him and his mom, a very healthy looking mom, sitting at the dining room table, listening to the radio.
0: Yeah, and she's not working. She's knitting. Yeah. Right? Not scrubbing, scrubbing clothes in the, in the sink like before.
1: Mama and me, listening to the Bronx Bombers. She could hear Joe Dugan crack a double just by the sound of the bat. I dreamt of the boys of C Company, my brothers. I dreamt of America. And while I slept, America also dreamed. And then we cut to the next page, and it's a big double-page splash. And it's an image of From his point of view, waking up and seeing the Avenger standing over him with an up-close picture of the Wasp, and then we have Iron Man, Thor, and Giant Man. When I awoke, the dream was real. I had been asleep for decades. The world had changed. Adolf Hitler and his mistress, Eva Braun, had committed suicide in a bunker in Berlin. America's enemies were communists. We had fought in Vietnam, and Korea. I had missed the advent of rock music, computers, the moon landings. I asked myself an old question. What had I become? And in an image we see Steve in the Avengers mansion at a console, looking at all the different monitors and just taking it all in as Jarvis is standing there behind him with a glass of milk ready to be served. And then a beautiful, large image of the Avengers in battle. So we have Hulk, Iron Man, Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, Thor. In the background, we also have um, uh, Hercules. And uh, we also have the Black Knight, There's Hawkeye, and they're battling, you know, villains. um, And you see Cap there, and he's smiling. The answers were best left to others now. I returned to my duties alongside the mighty Avengers to reprise my role as Captain America, Sentinel Liberty. I was a symbol of heroism, all that was right with the United States of America. But I never felt like a hero. Not really. And then the next page, we cut to back to looking at Normandy and his the fellows of the 26. The real heroes were the boys I once knew feared for their lives, yet fought for freedom anyway. Tony Vitti lost an eye in Palermo. Lifelong White Sox fan. Family man. Bob Bradley, awarded the Purple Heart when he tripped in Caldon near the German border. Mikey Smith. Stayed on the beaches of Normandy. Forever, twenty three. And underneath that is a really nice half-page splash in the middle. And it's Cap, and you know, on to the left panel, side of him, is his allies from world war ii and on the right side his allies from current day so on the left you have nick fury and members of the 26 and on the right you have the avengers and nick fury yeah and it says i have been in the company of heroes in the company of heroes i remain and at the bottom of the page there is a panel with him uh at the uh the vh vhw vfw and at the bottom panel he's at the the vfw and he's having a glass of milk well his his buddies are all a little older than him a little out of shape you know middle-aged tony
0: Tony vd right there with his missing eye
1: yeah and uh they're they're all holding up a beer as he toasts with a glass of milk my mama once told me Always be proud of who you are and where you came from. Never forget the people who helped you get to where you're going. I never forget. And we cut to modern time. So in that first page where we saw that guy that we thought maybe was Steve Rogers in the, in the trench coat, in the hat, in the rain. Now we're back to that. And he's walking in to the 4FW. I always come back. And he comes in. There's a a soldier there to to greet him. Good evening, Captain. It's good to see you back again. It's good to be back, Sergeant. They'll be serving dinner shortly, sir. Understood. Would you give me just a moment, please? I'd like to find a particular photo. And then he goes into um, this hall. That is looks like a museum almost, right? With the amount of photos on the wall and a glass case with some mementos and souvenirs in the middle. And he's looking at the photo and the, uh, the soldier says to him, does that one have special significance, sir? If you don't mind me asking. My father, he served with the 26 in France. And then there's uh, someone else comes and says, Captain Rogers, if you'll go inside now, they're ready for you. We prepared this special meal exactly as you requested. And there he is, sitting with a bunch of um, his compatriots over the years. I'm Captain America, and I will be here long after the others are dead and gone. But as long as I live, I will never forget. I am not a hero. First and foremost, I am a blue spader, one of the 26 infantry, and proud to have called these men my comrades in arms. We were boys once. We were young and stupid. My brothers, the real heroes, lost their lives in foreign fields, not because it was their duty, but because it was right. And as I said, he cuts to... You know, current time, and he's sitting there next to only one. As the years have gone by, there's less and less for him to sit with. And this is the last one. And he has an oxygen tank. As he's, they're both sitting there having a meal at the table that used to have so many. They were the greatest generation of Americans who ever lived. And that is why I love my country. And then Steve, to the man to his left, he moves the hair out of his eye. And the man doesn't look all there, Bob. He kind of doesn't look at Steve. He's kind of looking away. And he adjusts his medals on his chest. And then he says, God, Dougie, I miss those boys. And that's it. The
0: end. Right, and they're looking. You know, they're looking at the walls, right? Because on the walls, there's murals. At least Steve is. He's as he's saying, "I miss those boys." On the murals, you see uh, paintings of of soldiers in action, and, yeah. and one of those murals are the boys coming ashore at Normandy, just as he described earlier.
1: Yep. All right, Bob. So, so thoughts thoughts on this uh, on this one shot special look at Cap's origin.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, if, if somebody says, Hey, I want to, I want to know, I want to know what, who, the, who this guy Cap is, right. The Steve Rogers is Captain America. What is this, what is this character? I mean, hand of mythos, Captain America, right. Because it encapsulates everything you need to know pretty much about Cap's origin and mm-hmm. how, how he began and how he ended up in modern times. And uh, yeah, there's a few things, right. There's a few, a few uh, a few tweaks along the way, right? Um, some stand out more than others. Um, and we've talked about some of those in the Facebook group. We've talked about some of them in our previous shows. But overall, it's a very faithful uh, retelling of, of his origin.
1: Yeah, it, it, it does. And why did it take 22 pages to tell something that could have been told in three pages, right? Because I think it fleshes out the fact that you know steve's character you know of his humble beginnings um what he did to overcome you know the things i mean he wasn't just a you know a scrawny 90 pound year old you know 90 pound weakling right he Mm. he he had you know his his dad died at an early age you know his his mom then died you know he came from a you know very he they were very poor then he he was on his own. and He was going through that. You know, he was bullied. He's, you know, all the, all these different things that I think at some point, all of us can relate to one aspect, right? Whether, mm-hmm. whether we've lost a mom or a father at an early age, whether we didn't have a lot of money, whether we were scrawny, whether we got bullied, whether we, went to fantasy novels to escape reality whatever that reality was i think i think you know uh jenkins did a nice job of of like saying look cap caps all every one of us you know at some point some way somehow um you know there's a little bit of steve rogers in all of us and and we can relate to to that and 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 yet be inspired by him and so i think you know these stories of i thought it was an interesting take of he doesn't consider himself a hero he considers you know his fellow comrades the ones who didn't have the super soldier serum you know they were the real heroes i i i really i I really loved that part of the story yeah
0: I do, too. I mean, I, I mean, that that speaks to the goodness and the humility uh, one of those one of those virtues of, of Captain America. Right. That uh, are on the, uh, the challenge coin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, of course, this came out in uh, what was it, 2008? Yes. Um, you know, they're there, up until that point. There weren't that many stories that had been told about Captain America that really dwelled for a long time. On his childhood, or the period before he uh, took the Super Soldier Serum, mm-hmm. uh, you know there were a few instances of, of of mom along the way. Certainly not that many uh, that touched on his dad. And I, I, you know, I struggle with um, with Rick Remender's uh, exploration of, of Cap's dad in, mm-hmm. in uh, Volume Seven. You know, that one really bothered me. The fact he was
1: an alcoholic and he beat his mom. Yeah, right. You know, he
0: really uh, built that, uh, really, you know, took Grunewald's sort of cursory mention of that and really dove deep into that. But I really like the fact that Joseph in this is, you know, he smelled like applesauce and laughed a lot. I love that, right? Because I didn't—I I really felt like that was a great way to leave it. He lost his dad. How that was enough, right? I mean, he was probably mm-hmm. five, six years old. He lost his dad, um, and I think that was sufficient for a formative um you know influence on on young steve rogers so i I like that part of this story very much Mm -hmm. Uh, and i like the fact that it showed joseph and sarah and young steve so much and we got to see different aspects of his young life because we didn't get to see that a lot prior to 2008
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i would love to maybe maybe I'll, i'll try to see if we can get paul jenkins on the show because um I would love to talk to him about that. Like, why did he choose to do that? You know, this whole story was told from Steve's perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. And so let's, let's, let's be honest. Our perspective of our parents Mm -hmm. may not be realistic. Right. We may have like my, I was, I wasn't young when my dad passed away. I was, I think I was 23 young um, enough yeah young enough right yeah. like i i wasn't it's just on that cusp of being an adult right yeah um so i have my perspective but then i hear these you know l- you know years decades later of other peoples and it's you know it's maybe different from my perspective sure. because i was a kid right and he's yeah. he my dad so maybe you know jenkins because this is from Steve's perspective, of course he's going to look at his dad a certain way. Mm-hmm. Maybe Remender said, okay, but we're going to look at it from outside of Steve's perspective. And, and this is, this is, you know, the kind of person that he was. I don't know. I've just, yeah. i just, I'm curious. I would love to talk to Paul about that. I and mean, we could also talk to Paul about, because he wrote the miniseries uh, Captain America Theater of War. Right.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So maybe we can have him on and talk about those too, but yeah. Yeah, this was this is great stuff. I, I I gotta tell you, I, I can't hammer home this enough, everybody listeners. If you have if you don't own this, if you haven't seen this, pick it up. Go to Marvel Unlimited, you know, whatever you need to do. So beautiful. It's so beautifully rendered. Um and I can't wait to talk to Paolo next episode to uh to kind of go through the details because he worked like he staged things like remember i told you he, he took all those pictures of hands right well there's that one page um you know that i uh I, that i have um that is gosh i want to say there's a page page 7 and th- there's all these um Aids, you know uh, around him strapping him in they have you know getting the syringe ready and there's all these different you know so he took pictures of all these different hands in different ways so that it would look realistic you know um uh you know he you know that scene where um at the very bottom of the next page where he breaks out of the chair to go after the assassin Paolo himself actually is, you know, there's a picture in his blog of him with his shirt off uh, on a, a stool in his kitchen, leaning in the same way, taking a picture so that he could use that as a way to make this as, real, as realistic as possible. Um, it's just beautiful artwork.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and it goes even deeper than that. I don't know if he mentioned it on his blog, but he he certainly he mentioned it in some in some personal correspondence to me. But, you know, I I only own one page from. Uh, this and issue. we
1: never told the listeners which page that is, Bob. Uh,
0: well, it's it's the second to last page. So it's when Steve returns, you know, he's at the VFW post mm-hmm. and uh, and he he first enters and there is a young black soldier that is escorting him around. And, and Paulo told me that in in preparation for this, he went to a VFW post in New York City. And that character was based on the guy that showed him around that gave him a tour of the VFW huh. post. How about that? yeah and on the third panel of, of that page uh, that you described so aptly with, with Steve and his army uniform sitting at a table surrounded by all these older veterans uh, his comrades in arms from World War II the guy immediately sitting to the right of cap uh, is, is a vet he's got glasses mm-hmm. and uh, that in fact is Paolo's uncle who uh, was a paratrooper on uh, at Normandy on D-Day
1: oh that's a nice tribute yeah very nice. Yeah. well, And
0: I, I would love to
1: talk to him more about this. I uh, can't wait. Can't wait for that next week. Um, the only other thing I would say is uh, that I found that I really liked about this story um, was to just showed the true essence of Steve Rogers and his character and how he's such a better person than I could ever be. At the very end, he's sitting with with the man who who bullied him as a child,
0: right? Yeah, you know
1: what I mean. Like, Yuggy. I, 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 I personally, I'm not, I'm not big enough for that. Like, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> physically and and emotionally and, and whatever. But right. no, I mean, you know what I mean. I, I, I just, I, I, I want to strive towards being a, a person like that who is you know, um, forgiving and and just a high character standard like that. I, I I love that about the story that it came full circle like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, uh, and that happens in life sometimes, too. Right. Um, right, Rick. I mean, where uh, you start off as uh, as uh, not enemies, but but certainly as uh, as opponents. But over time, and in the cauldron of of, uh, of challenges, two people can become closer, right? Can maybe even mm-hmm. become friends and uh, and allies. And I think maybe that's that's what happened. Uh, you know, Dougie, I'm sure never lost his uh, his rough edges, um, but that was okay because they shared this deep, uh, meaningful experience and were there for each other when it mattered. And and that's what matters.
1: Yeah. Yep. All right, Bob. Well, I got to say, this has been uh, real fun wrapping cap with you and, uh, and looking forward to the next episode when we can also do it with Paolo.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait for that.
1: All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbanus, And you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. <laughs>